Acts 9, Acts chapter 9. This is the account, this is Luke's account of the conversion of Saul, Saul of Tarsus. There are, there are two other accounts of Saul's conversion in the book of Acts. There's one in Acts chapter 22. There's one in Acts chapter 26. Uh, with regard to those accounts of Saul's conversion, that involves Luke's writing of Saul's testimony of his conversion. This is Luke's account of that conversion here in uh, chapter 9. So we'll read. Um, you, can, you, know, you start in Acts with what God did in Saul's life. Uh, you can get more information from, from Saul, Paul's letters as he writes about his past, his life before Christ, and that's helpful information. And the, there's some variation in the account in chapter 22 and 26 and this. You get actually a little bit more uh, information, but we'll try to stay right here tonight. And if we, if we make it through uh, verse 17 or 18, um, we'll be doing good. I do, have a, I do have an outline. Surprise, surprise tonight. So... Trying to keep up with an outline, I know it's it's uh, it's as difficult for you <laughs> as it is for me. I can assure you. So we'll read we'll read the text. This is powerful. Um, this is powerful stuff. Now Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked for letters from him to the synagogues at Damascus. So that if he found any belonging to the way, both men and women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. As he was traveling, it happened that he was approaching Damascus. And suddenly, a light from heaven flashed around him. And he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul. Why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, but get up and enter the city, and it will be told you what you must do. The men who traveled with him stood speechless hearing the voice, but seeing no one. Saul got up from the ground, and though his eyes were open, he could see nothing. And leading him by the hand, they brought him into Damascus. And he was three days without sight, and neither ate nor drank. Now, there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. We think Ananias was a leader among the believers there in 
Damascus. He's a, he's a disciple. He's a Christian. And the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, and he said, here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, get up and go to the street called Straight and inquire at the house of Judas for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying and he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much harm he did to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the sons of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. So Ananias departed and entered the house and after laying his hands on him said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you were coming has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales. And he regained his sight. And he got up and was baptized. And he took food and was strengthened. The word of the Lord. Father in heaven, we thank you for this account of the conversion of your apostle, Paul. We thank you for the message that you send to us through this event. So Lord, speak to our hearts in the remaining time and we'll give you the praise and the glory and all the thanks in Jesus name. Amen. So Saul is going one way. He's headed to Damascus, which Damascus is a, well, they say it's a beautiful sight. They say it's like looking at white pearls amidst green emeralds. So a city that's white and then vegetation and all that's around it, just beautiful. I wonder if Saul was on his way to round up these believers that were already in Damascus. They were well beyond Israel. I wonder if he was admiring the scenery when he was approaching the city. When all of a sudden, 
And we know that Saul was not alone. We think he's got some other, perhaps temple police with him. Because we know that he's not looking at just finding one Christian and bringing them in. But he's looking for more than one. I don't know if you... uh, have thought about this, but I think Saul was serious about stamping out the Christians. I think he is zealous. He is zealous for his, I think he says in another place, his ancestral tradition. And he really didn't appreciate the Christians uh, trying to take over his turf. So he is serious. He is the one who was at the stoning of Stephen when the people who were throwing the stones were laying their coats and their cloaks at the feet of Saul. He gave hearty approval to the murder of Stephen. A Hellenistic Jew converted to Christianity and now... Saul is going to find other Hellenistic Jews that have been converted to Christianity that were in Damascus. Saul himself, a Hellenistic Jew, not yet converted on his way to Damascus when all of a sudden the Lord had something else in mind. My goodness, what is this? We find out that as he was traveling, it happened. He was approaching Damascus. We're thinking he's close to the city. And suddenly, that word suddenly, just about three or four times in the New Testament, I think one in Luke's birth narrative of Jesus with the angels perhaps, a couple other times. It's not not in the New Testament a whole lot. But suddenly, a light from heaven flashed around him. And he fell to the ground. And he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? So anytime you have the double uh, pronouncement of the name, it's a big deal. Now you think about it. Uh, Think about Abraham on Mount Moriah. Abraham, Abraham, right? He's here. Now there's a ram in the thicket. Remember Moses in the land of Midian. Moses, Moses. Was that a big deal? Yeah, the Lord's calling him to go lead his people out of slavery. Um, You know, there's several of those in the Bible. I think there are about 20 of those. I think uh, when Elisha saw Elijah uh, get carried away on the chariot, I think Elisha said, Elijah, Elijah. So this, this is a big deal. Anytime you see that double pronouncement of a name in the scripture, it's a big deal. There, there's emotion here. There's, uh, there, uh, God is doing business with his subject. And so you have Saul, Saul, and then why are you persecuting me? Well, when did Saul persecute Jesus? Because he says there in verse five, who are you, Lord? And he says, I am Jesus. Whom you are persecuting. But get up and enter the city and it'll be told to you what you must do. So there he is. Uh, Jesus 
is obviously appearing to Saul on this Damascus road. There's this flash of light. There are these words that are spoken. And this Saul is converted. He becomes a follower of Jesus. There, verse 18, after he's prayed for by Ananias, there fell from his eyes something like scales. He regained his sight. He got up and was baptized. So, the outline. And this is about all we have time for. We've got five minutes for a four or five point outline. We'll just have fun with it, okay? So, as I was, I was looking at this, I, always, I like to read ahead, but then on Wednesday mornings, that's when I like to get right with this word. So this is what I got. I'll give it to you just like I got it. Number one, Christianity is real. The conversion of Saul means that Christianity is real. And just to confuse things, that's point number two. Point number one is Christ is real. He is alive and well. I mean, think about it. There's Jesus. He's at the right hand of the Father, and he is interceding for the saints. And we know that because the Bible tells us that when he ascended, he sat down at the right hand of the Father. But Jesus evidently wanted to appear before Saul. And in this, we see the condescension of Christ toward those who were in darkness. And if there was ever one in darkness, it was Saul. And we know that Saul, in his lost estate, was in darkness, just like every other sinner before God is in darkness. But Jesus condescended to appear before Saul to confront Saul, to reveal his glory before Saul, and to convict him with this question, why are you persecuting me? That's our Lord. So point number one, Christ is real. He is alive and he is well. And if he was not alive and well, Saul would not have been converted. And if Jesus is not alive and well, Neither would you be converted. But at last, he is alive and well. Over here in 1 Corinthians 15, it's just too bad that the time and the clock is ticking. I feel that. I don't know if you feel that or not, but I feel it. I don't, I don't even want to rush, but I'm going to... Well, I can't. I'm, I'm not a fast reader in that way. Verse 3 of chapter 15. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received. This is Paul's testimony that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. Can you imagine Saul, the one breathing out threats and murders against the Christians? The one who who received authorization from the high priest to round these Christians up and throw them in jail. Later on, he is writing, I'm delivering to you what... is of first importance of what I also received, that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures. You can't explain the conversion of Saul apart from the resurrection of Jesus, that Jesus is alive and that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day, according to the scriptures. 
and that he appeared to Cephas, this gets better, then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 brethren at one time, most of whom remain until now, but some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. And last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared to me also. For I am the least of the apostles and not fit to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me did not prove vain, but I labored even more than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God with me, whether then it was I or they. So we preach, and so you believe. And so Paul, this one converted, preaches Christ, Christ the living Lord. So Christ is real, he's alive and well, meaning Christianity is real. Christianity is alive and well, meaning Conversion is real. Conversion is a real thing. Did you know that? I mean, we have his word. We're not converted like Saul was converted. I mean, he heard the words of Jesus. He saw the glory of Jesus. I think he saw more glory of Jesus on that road to Damascus than those other apostles saw in his post-resurrection appearances. I mean, he is blinded by the glory of Jesus. But the conversion is real. If Saul could be converted, you and I can be taken from darkness to light. Conversion is real. God can work a miracle of conversion in the human heart and soul, in the life of any individual. And it's just treasure that, relish that conversion that God has brought to you, the grace of God to you. And then if conversion is real, then his commission is real. What was the commission? Well, he told Saul that he would be, uh, he would bear the name of Jesus, there it is, in verse 15. Before the Gentiles, now we know he was the apostle to the Gentiles, but that doesn't mean he didn't preach to the Jews. He did preach to Jews. It says before the Gentiles and kings, and we know he would eventually preach before kings and the sons of Israel. In fact, Saul, Paul would give his testimony, the testimony of his conversion before kings. So Saul had a commission uh, you and I have a commission as well. I mean, this Christian life doesn't stop at conversion. What's the Lord want us to do? Well, he wants to go into all the world, right? And, and testify of Christ. That's what he wants. And what gives us bold confidence to do that? Well, the grace of God, the power of God and the in the word of God, that's what gives us the confidence to do that, to obey our Lord. Because he can take someone who is in darkness and he can bring light to their soul. He does that. 
And I've just been reflecting on his grace to me. He never let me go. He started at work. Those days of conviction of sin were miserable. Conviction of sin, righteousness, and judgment. What was that about? I knew I was a sinner because he brought the conviction of sin. I knew that he was righteous because he, he brought that conviction of his righteousness. And I knew that sure as the world, in my lost condition, he would judge me. I knew that. And the Lord brings that conviction to your heart. And when he brings that conviction, that's misery. I mean, that is just misery. Knowing, knowing that you're hell bound is miserable. And then hanging on to that for a while is miserable. And trying to be stubborn is miserable. But then he breaks through. He breaks through. And he didn't have to break through, but he wanted to break through. I mean, he didn't accidentally save Saul. He wanted to save Saul. He wants to save. That's our Lord. So we'll leave on that note because we should. (laughs) 